to another look into the state of the league. Um, tonight we're joined with by Ricky. How are we doing? Uh, 40-20. Evening, boys. Birdie. How's it going? And for the first time on the show, PM. PM hey, PM. PM runs a um, uh, a sports sports store up at uh, Nambucca Head. So if you need a deal on sports gear, that's where you're going to go. We've got a jam-packed show tonight, so let's get straight into it. We're going to start off with some news. Then we're going to review uh, the round two games from the Rugby League World Cup. Then we're going to preview the next round of games. And then have a look at the standings and see who will make it out of the pool stages. Mm-hmm. So straight into Okay, so straight First into up it. on set of elite news. <laughs> McGilvery, not guilty on the biting allegation. I thought that was a bit rough. Yeah, that's a bit of a joke. So the international judiciary seems to be um, as as effective as the NRL one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Farah made the claim initially. He showed the referee the bite marks, and then there's that queer footage of McGilvery not only having uh, Farah's forearm in his jaws, but positioning to get a better, you know, attempt at um, at, you know, taking a chunk out of Farah's forearm. I, I just I thought it was open and shut. I have no idea how they managed to throw that one out. All right. Well. Um... Again, it's a bit of a shocker for that one. Um, so straight into the next bit of news. The Scotland trio are out of the World Cup. Danny Bro, Sam Brooks, and um, the name just had to be there, Johnny Walker yeah. out on the cans. <laughs> and too drunk to get onto their plane. So that's a sad end to Scotland. They've been flogged in their last two games. Yeah. And you'd expect them to get flogged again by Samoa this week with those with the, the captain, Danny Bro out, plus the other two. The um, Johnny Walker jokes and memes reigned supreme, didn't they, for a couple of days after that one? Um, you must be in, must be in some state and not be able to board a plane. Like that is some level of uh, like day after intoxication. <laughs> I, th- I think one of them actually cost himself a an NRL deal. Actually, I think it might have been Walker or someone. Yeah. They were actually you know, actually been targeted by two clubs, and now they're both pulled out. Well, you don't blame him. Don't blame him. <laughs> yeah. no. that's a, that's that's a huge red flag on your char- on a character, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now into some eels news. So um, we've announced Malkin and Associates as premier partners. From what I understand, they're an accounting firm. So hopefully they can get our books in order. Um, hopefully they've been doing some work on the rooster salary cap, and they can give us some pointers. So um, the the premier partners is a step down from your principal partner, the the main sponsor, but they will be taking over from Northern Territory as the chess plate sponsors, if I recall correctly. That's right. Yeah, so you have the um the M and A as um our main jersey logo at the moment. Yeah, so it's a bit of um a walk back from. Um, obviously, the club was in the gutter in relation to public relations and our image. So I guess this is uh, all steps back in the right direction. Yes. Yeah, I think that's right, PM. As long as we're not losing sponsors, that's the main thing, to be honest. Yeah, well, exactly right. After what we went through in 2016, the fact that we've managed to get a couple of our existing sponsors to step up their commitments, um, obviously, uh, Malcoon there and the data company, who name... Uh, uh, the cyber security mind? company, right? Yeah, the cyber security company. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, this is terrible work for me. Where's corporate commercial partners? 
um, Aland. No, no, Aland are developers, and it was who are the. Where I remember are, they had like a red logo, pretty much. I remember that yeah. logo. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, all the viewers at home are going to be, you know, uh, they're screaming at us at the Dis- moment. So let's move right along, um, and they can um, they can add us on Twitter. And tell us yep. how stupid we are for not remembering that off the top of Thanks. our head. That's it. <laughs> now, straight on to some signing news. So, we've signed the young 5'8", Jamin Salmon. Is is it Salmon or Salmon? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, from uh, some from Cronulla Sharks. Uh, he played a big part in their... Was it their SG Ball team or their Harold Matts team this year? He, SG Ball this year. Sorry. He was... SG Ball. So, um, he's had a bit of a storied career against us in the district reps. Our, um, Harold Matthews uh, locked horns of them in the grand final, uh, was it in 2015? That's right. And then the uh, we lost to the Sharks. Yeah. Yep. And then we met again in the SG Ball final this season, and we took the um, the, we took it home this year. But um, Salmon played a, a terrific hand in that game, actually. We were cruising out to a big lead after Ethan Parry sort of rocked them for a couple of tries. And he almost single-handedly dragged them back into that game and made it quite a, a tight contest in the last uh, few exchanges. And so. the interesting part with Salmon is a lot of people, a lot of Eels fans seem to think that his, his best position is centre, which that just screams to me that Davin would have seen a lot of him. Because obviously he's, you know, I mean, he, he, he's obviously got, you know, a bit of bulk and physique to put on, but he's in... He's very much in that sort of Ryan Madison sort of mold, like that ball playing. Yeah, there's a bit, bit, of, bit of Madison, bit of, bit of Jack Bird there, where his best position is probably not figured out yet. So you can, you know, when it's in the juniors, you can afford to play him for a number of different positions and he'll stand out because he's, as BA would say, he's a footballer. Uh, but I, I think we'll, um, we'll for, um, try him out for a few different positions over 2018. God, the years are almost gone, that's scary. Um, for about 2018 and um, figure out where he's best going to fit uh, in the future of Parramatta. But he's a, a fantastic young player, and that is a, a real nice pickup. That's um, a real coup. In, in terms of junior players, you don't get much better than um, young Jamin. Would, would he be better than or equal to the same level as uh, the coach's son, Flanagan? Or is that enough two different players to compare to? I think they're two very different players, Birdie. I mean, Flano is more Flano Jr. He's... Like your typical heart. From what I've seen, Flano is, you know, he's, he's, he's the structured guy. Like, you know, he'll just direct the attack, he'll call the shots, he'll do all that. And sort of Jamin is a bit more, not off the cuff, but sort of he... Kind play of play what's in front of him. He's, he's got, a, got a bit more, maybe a bit more game awareness than, than Flanagan does. Sort of just, you know, knows when to take the line on or when, you know, when to pass sort of thing. And moving right along, so there's a bit more signing news. We've got Greg Leilasalo, or Le- oh, I can't pronounce it. Leilasiwau. Leilasiwau. Uh, Dane Akafalau and uh, Ray Stone graduating to first grade. Uh, no surprises there. Um, I mean, Greg was a, a phenom statistically in the NYC. Um, Dane had a few struggles later in the year, but uh, athletically he's extremely gifted and he's had plenty of good games. Uh, in his career at Parramatta, and Ray Stone was just an animal through the middle. You know, he, he can play on the edge or at lock, and um, you know he's not the biggest forward, but he makes up with technique and plenty of aggression. So um, no surprises, uh, and I expect all three to be mainstays of the Wenty team. 
and then especially maybe Ray Stone. Um, he might be in uh, still long odds to play first grade, but he'll be putting his name forwards if he can continue his form from 2017 into 2018. He was a great pickup. Not a bad sign that. Not a bad sign that the three of them are probably, if not, you know, the later stages of the top 30 at the very least, they'll be in that. You know, three to six players that get named in the de- new developmental squad that now exists. So it's good. They, they, all three deserve it. Well, two, yeah, out, of, uh, two out of three so came from a different club. So, and it was their first year at the NYC with our, our team. So they're pretty pretty much Tigers and Titans uh, mistake there. But has uh, Dane been a junior or was he from another Dane, club? Dane is part of a, a long sort of Parramatta junior family. The Flowers have been tied the Parramatta for a few years now. The eldest brother, Eric, um, had his career in football tragically cut short after a really bad leg injury. Um, he was quite talented, and he probably would have been in the mix for first grade or been established in first grade if um, injury hadn't otherwise ended his career. And there's a third brother, Noel, who played uh, almost the whole season in 20s this year at centre despite being eligible for the SG ball. So um, plenty of football talent in that family. Oh, absolutely. He's done a very good job of you know, finding rough gems, you know, from other clubs, looking at players that are perhaps, you know, not appreciated as much at other clubs and giving them a chance here. Um, and then doing a good job of tidying up our own backyard and keeping the best of the talent there, which has been reflected in our huge success in the juniors lately. So these, these are the first wave of those sort of, uh, that work done in scouting and in retention. And there's, as we saw, from, we'll mention him later, but Celeste Fahinga, is another player that they brought in from another club, uh, the West Tigers, uh, two years ago, and he's had a huge, huge start to the World Cup. Wow! Um, wow. And, uh, yeah. But, yeah, the, the, the best of our in, in-house talent is still only 18 years old, um, so they'll they'll come pushing through soon. Um, we saw Tui Afoala was in the preseason gallery. He's one of those boys. But, um, like I said, Greg, Dane, and Ray, they're the front runners of that, uh, of that class. And they'll be at mainstays for Winty and hopefully push for first grade from there. All right, moving straight along back to training. So, um, been keeping up with the Eels on social media, you'll have seen that they're back on the training paddock. Uh, Tepai's had a haircut. Cameron, uh, sorry, uh, The King is running again. So, um, that knee uh, surgery seems to have worked very well and he's straight back on to the fitness. Um, and given he was one of the fittest players at the club last year, I'd fully expect to see uh, the king back hopefully round yeah with one. his mind with his mindset he's gonna he's gonna push himself as far as he can as hard as he can within the parameters that the the staff give him but um you know he's just a competitor he's a winner and he'll be back sooner rather than later yeah the the the, the sort of the anti-gravity treadmill the one that assists your your weight you know that's real useful in recovery did you ever have to do that yourself 40 uh, no, I've I've been pretty fortunate with um with injuries. I've seen the anti um the anti gravity treadmill a few times, but the the worst injury I had re- uh, in my sporting and general career was a Achilles uh, release on um both my my legs, which was not as bad as it sounds. It was uh like a voluntary procedure to help my Achilles rather than actually blowing them up like some poor souls have. Rupturing them or something. Well, what, yeah. what one player I'm looking forward to and hopefully he gets a shot is uh, Marate. Near Cora, like the first game I saw him play, tragic. He got carried off with a nasty concussion. Yeah, and I just was a wa- bad, bad concussion. And, and he, he looks like he looked a bit, un- like uh, a bit too big, put on weight in the 
Like, I think he played for Cook Islands in the mid-year. But in yes. the training photos, he looks like he looks slimmed down, and he looks. Uh, I, I just wanted to get get at least one shot, you know. Well, he he was he was a, a bee's appendage, as it were, from getting a run late in the season this year. I believe it was was the Melbourne game. He went down as 18th man. And I think he was like that close to to getting a run. He had a really really strong campaign at Wenty, and I think he'll be pretty much the first edge back rower off the cab as far as depth gum is concerned. And he might even push for bench on us, depending on what the make makeup of the team is for the recruitment that has to be still be played out in the NRL. And talking about edge back rowers, uh, I can see some photos of T Rex in our current e. year. So it looks like he might be a pickup from the Sharks. Probably on it could possibly be a train and trial deal. We're not sure at the yeah. moment, um, but we'll just have to wait for news of that to come uh, up. I, I see that as a you know almost zero risk upside signing. You're not expecting too much from T Rex, but um, you know if you do manage to get something near his best out of there, you've got a pretty good value pickup. Um, and the fact of the matter is that we just had a big queen out of Wenty. A lot of, uh, I think, Fox Sports covered the players that were were leaving, and there was about four or five or six players out the door. So, the the free juniors that we just mentioned before will go some way towards padding out those numbers. But T Rex is another guy that's going to be helping uh, supply some depth to our club. Kind of like Dave Taylor at Canberra when he signed on a trial. Yeah, field, exactly, but... buddy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you sort of, you, you take that signing. Oh, <laughs> with the vacancy, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's probably a decade past in now these days. But uh, <laughs> there, there is there is a, a hole in the team for a, a big looking forward. Uh, whether he's that guy remains to be seen. But uh, like like I was saying, you, you sort of you're swinging for the fences here, but you're not too worried if you strike out. To use a shitty baseball analogy, mm. has he ever been coached by Brad Arthur? Or did he go before Brad got the he gig? He was well gone. Well he, was at, he was at the Bulldogs, wasn't he, when Brad was at Manly? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, we'll, we'll wait to see um, what happens there. Um, but anyway, moving right along, World Cup round two games. Review. Hey. Cut off with the Friday night game, France 6, Australia 52. What did you make of it? I mean, France scored an awesome try. That fullback play, that was yeah, um, Mar- that was something else. Marquerela. Marquerela. Yeah, the, the Roosters Junior played, played a few years in Newtown. He's been planning to lose for like the last four or five seasons or something. Yeah, he qualified in residency, up. yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Oh, he's carving it up there as well. He, he was one of those, I think we mentioned him in our, in our round one review, but he was one of those guys that sort of when he got his hands on the ball, he was a bit shifty and looked like he was going to cause a bit of damage. And sure enough, he, he took a half chance on a pretty sloppy kick chase, if we're going to be perfectly honest, and then just, you know, carved yes. the, the kangaroos up. But um, that was really fun. Um, I thought French tried pretty hard in the first half. They defended pretty well for the most part. But the just the, the golf in, in talent and experience, in size, conditioning, it just, as you'd expect, weighed through as the the longer get the game wore on. IT crowd? Have you tried turning yeah. it on and off again? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. The, that's right. The, the the difference in the professionalism of the player, like like you're saying, you get the half time, and you think the break would help the just the, the underdogs a little bit. Two business days, it should fix itself up and then get cancelled. If not, 
then call then then call on Macy Montosha and they'll sort that out for you. Here with us, Ricky. You alright, Ricky? Yeah, yeah. my bad. That was that was totally random. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Okay, now let's I'm move across. So there's not too much to take away from that game. Australia way too good for France. They're probably going to be. Oh, too there is the there is the way Graham piece of trivia. He oh yeah, that's right. The, yes. The what was it? The the hat trick trivia. I missed the. I think the it was the first second rower to score four tries in a game in a World Cup. There you go. And also, uh, of course, the first half hat trick. That's that's right, yeah. The first half hat trick and then the four tries. There you go. So he's had a pretty good World Cup, World Cup campaign. He's played every game so far, despite the rotations that Australia's gone through, and he's done pretty well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. None of them were particularly impressive, but you know he, he gave us a little piece of history due to the sort of the nice technique he's displayed on his edge play. All right, now into the second match. New Zealand 74, Oof. Scotland 6. Unfortunately, our man couldn't get a piece of that 74. No. <laughs> I mean, he scored the opportunistic try last week, so he can't complain too much. But, um, geez, geez, Scotland. Uh, wait, was it now? I think there's almost a, 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 a derping award we have to give out here to, was it Peter Hicku? Was he the one that, yeah. He completely missed. Uh, all he had to do was put a hand on it, and it was a try. And he just—I don't know what, yeah. what was going through his head. Oh, <laughs> the, it was on another planet at that point. But um, I mean, what, what do you say about that sort of scoreline? The, the Scottish got on the board, I suppose. But that was just brutal. I mean, Tamari Martin had a good game, and it was probably his his sort of breakthrough game at the international level. I know he toured with New Zealand in in um, Europe. Was it two years ago now? And he, you know, he did okay, but. He sort of ran the show nicely alongside Johnson, but um, that that was just a bloodbath. Yeah, the, the under twenty threes, I think it was. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I think to be fair with this Scottish side, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're getting flogged because they're going pretty badly. But I think compared to the last World Cup, there's a lot of players that they were hoping to have, both Super League and NRL, that have either retired or are injured. Kind of like, I mean. They probably won't make much of a difference, but, you know, kind of guys like Cliff Gallagher, had a, Peter Wallace. had a change in the guard. You know, they're, they're, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they're, they're, there's probably about a good seven or eight guys that they're probably relying on to play about mid-year, but, you know, injuries sort of just prevented that from happening, or they just decided to retire. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, it explains a lot, but mind you, the uh, the... You know, the, the, these rankings are very much like the FIFA rankings. You know, you sort of... The way that they calculate it is just ridiculous sort of thing. Like, you know, outside of those top three, you know, because, like, if Italy play a test against, you know, like, France or something, then Italy, if they win, they go up two places, but then France still got more places. It's just this really ridiculous system that they use, but... Yeah, I think you definitely trust your eye more than the rankings when it comes to the, the Rugby League World Cup. And you know, we've seen some teams surpass expectations because of that. And you've seen some teams that on paper should be better than they are ranking-wise, but like Scotland, they're really struggling. It just shows you how often the, the, the gap in talent between the lower-tier uh, nations, that they don't play as much as Australia and England. Yeah. So they probably play, what, two, three games a year, not even that. And it just shows they need more games. Even if they... Have two Scotland teams just like a, like an intra 
club top match. Yeah, well, that, that, that's the big thing for the ROI from this Rugby League World Cup is to do, is to find greater consistency in the scheduling of sort of the, the Tier 1 and Tier 2 countries, you know, to give the game a chance to develop better. Well, you see it in the Rugby Union. They have the Six Nations, and, like, you have Wales, Scotland, Ireland, and they're all genuine, like, any of them can win it that year. It just shows Union do it better than the league, pretty much, you know? It will require a commitment to the cause that might be frustrating for the first couple of like, seasons or years because you're going to see blowouts. But, you know, if you want to get results, you've got to put in some hard and painful work. So hopefully they can get to it. All right. Well, there's a really good opportunity to do something like that now that there's one of, one of the Origin games is, is a standalone game. If you if the NRL planned it properly, you know, you just get, get Tonga, Samoa, Fiji... Even the Cook Islands. Yeah, but there's like there's no excuse to have like the, a... the entire array of Pacific Nations talents and, yeah, and teams exactly. be involved on that exactly. weekend. Yeah. Okay, talking about great games, we'll get straight into that Tonga Samoa match. 32-18. Two tries to Michael Jennings, one to Terapo, and with the game ceiling try, Manu Mau. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! Manu. Um, that was that was a good game, and I think Samoa bounced bounced back to an extent from their sort of slump uh, they had against New Zealand. Uh, but yeah, just two big physical teams just went at it, and you know the the game was played out the way for it. The crowd was fantastic, um, just a, a sea of red with some pockets of blue. That was a, a really great game to take to New Zealand, uh, Christchurch, wasn't it? I believe you're right. Yeah. And uh, yes, that sounds right. I, I was worried with Manu with his last two games for the club. He didn't he didn't play well, and I was just hoping this could you know bring him back into form, heading into a uh, preseason with you know uh, a lot of confidence. Well, rugby league world cups have traditionally been pretty been pretty good for star Parramatta Eels in the past. They tend to kickstart some good runs of form. So I'm not saying Manu's going to go win the Dalian, but um, hopefully, hopefully he can um, reignite his um, club form. I, I think statistically Manu sort of had the same seasons that we we tend to expect from him. You know, averaging around about 130 meters a game, high 20s in the tackles. Uh, but his last two games, you know, there were a number of errors, um, and, and he sort penalties. of was just slightly off the pace. Yeah, a couple couple of um, silly penalties that hurt the team. But I think I think if anyone's earned you know, some the some degree of acceptance, you know, for that. It's Manu after all the stuff he's done for the club. He was very good this game, you know, just running like a maniac, tackling like a maniac, scoring the try. Well, that try that he um, scored, Ado Hingano had been passing him that same flat ball all night, mm, and he'd had a couple yeah. of line breaks, but um, they finally... That was a great ball from Hingano, and it finally just opened yeah. up, and, and uh, he won it's, the game. It's, it's why perseverance of those sort of edge structures is so important, because it might not work the first, the second, the third, the sixth time, but once the defence starts to fatigue, if you keep your your um, your patterns really strong, you, you play with precision, you're going to punish them. And that was exactly what it was. You know, They just came out and ran a really nice line, timed it great, and Manu just sliced through. Showbird a little bit in the... Um, in the in goals, you know, pointed, pointed, pointed up to the air and then resented the ball, but he planted it in time. So, yeah, that was... Um, what a bit of a stat attack that it didn't, didn't quite pan out, but if it did, it would have been a good one. If Michael Jennings had scored a third try in that game, it would have been 
just the fourth player in the history of the World Cup going back to 1954 to score a hat trick in two World Cup game, two two games in the World Cup. Well, he's still got a couple that more games him. to go, so don't count yeah. him out of that race. Well, he does, he does, but that's that'll be a very interesting one to watch. Billy Slater's done it. Uh, some some guy from the seventies did it, uh, and uh, I can't remember the fourth, but that'll be that'd be quite the stat if he managed to pull that off. So. You know, you know who was a, a monster in this game, and it, it was a Tongan forward not named Jason Tamalolo. It was um, CSI Takiaho, who's been playing prop for the um, for the Maitoa. Is that right? Uh, he's he's been a, a fantastic player for the Roosters, but you know he's been deployed on the edge for them, and he's been he's also played a little bit of lock I think at, at times. Right. But he played, he's playing prop a lot of rock, uh, lock this season at Roosters. Yeah, he's playing he's playing prop, which you know from lock to prop isn't that big a deal these days. But um, he he made you know nearly three hundred meters on the ground, and I think in his first stint he like he just sort of run some obscene amount of meters before getting a break. So he's um, part of the reason why the that fearsome Tongan pack, you know, is sort of rumbling towards the sudden death segment of the World Cup. He had a very similar game um, against Broncos in the in the finals, the first week of the finals, um, where he was just one of the best on field. He's a one, another one that the Warriors Warriors let loose, unfortunately. And how great were the the pre match uh, huckers? You got the, oh, the, from the, the two war dances, yeah. Oh. And, the, uh, and at the end, they both, you know, acknowledge each other and just uh, clapped hands, applauded. Yeah, so that, that, that whole sequence, whole sequence of sportsmanship and and you know the cultural war dances, that is just encapsulates some of the best of rugby league that you know you can share with the world. And I know that it sort of did the runs on Reddit online and got a bit of traction there. And um, ESPN, I think, like the the actual like American ESPN account, might have um, might have picked it up on Twitter. Um, but um, yeah, that was just awesome. You know the, the two teams sort of coming together, and then the, then playing their two war dances off each other was um, amazingly well done. And like they didn't wait for each other; they just they didn't like no one got like uh, distracted. They just like they were in the mo- in the motions. Like nothing was yeah. going to distract them from doing it. So it was... no, well, usually, usually, they're not allowed to do it at the same time because they adopted the the union rules. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Usually, can't do it at the same time, so they've obviously. Relax those rules a little bit and allow them to do their their respective war dances at the same time. Which it, it, it's you, you'd say it's probably going to be the, the you know the, the moment of the World Cup, basically. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's as good as rugby league gets in that sense. You you play hard football and then you celebrate the game with the the blokes that you were just smashing. You know, in that game. All right, now moving on to the next game. England 29, Lebanon 10. And... Boo! Boo! Bullshit. Yeah, send that referee off. That that was... um. There were a couple of head scratches. No more than that. Uh, no try it was sent up to Lebanon in the second half where it was clearly planted down and the referee had a great line of sight on it too. Um, now, I, I don't want to say that it cost Lebanon the game because I don't think it did, um, but it would have been a lot closer. I just Yeah, it cost them a chance at making the game a contest. And, you know, like, you still expect England to run out with it, but, geez, there were some bad, bad decisions. You know, England were awarded a, a fairly contentious try in the first half. There could have been a, a legitimate case to be made that the ball was um, coming loose out of his hands. And then, as you mentioned, the second half, um, you had the, the try denied to the, the Cedars. And then... 
uh, we mentioned to, to kick off the show, there was a, you know, quite a legitimate biting allegation made that, you know, was just missed completely. The referee uh, knew all the Pommy players' names. They are calling by their first name. And yet, for Lebanon, he was just saying the number. So you could tell, like, look on core bias, but the referee knows those players and their game style. So he let them slide a bit with their tactics, you know, slowing down the ruck and, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I felt I thought the um the the Lebanese showed plenty of ticker in the first half. They how many sets was it on their line? It was about five or six, I think. Mm-hmm. And they just they they kept coming at at the English, and then they they managed to bring the scores back to to a close when they went try for try at the start. But um, you know, the just it was too much. The they tried hard, but between the refereeing and then once again the gulf of experience. And class across the the lineup for the English it proved too much. Um, Mitch Mitch Moses didn't have his flashy game this time around as um, week one against the French, but he he tried hard, defended really well actually. He made a lot of um, important jamming tackles, um, but the, I think the fluency between him and Farrell wasn't as nice this um, this week in particular. But uh, they um, they certainly didn't make any um, lose any fans sorry with their effort. I think. And McGilvery not getting a, a suspension might turn out in uh, Lebanon's yeah. favour. Um, yeah, because it would help help knock France off. Well, that's yeah. right. Given England will have a, a, t- a better squad to take on the French, and that's right. Um, the Lebanese they just need to mitigate the damage against the Aussies in the last round. But we'll get onto that later. On to the next match: Italy forty-six, USA zero. Italy. Um, I know it was against the USA, but they restored a little bit of pride in the jersey. This this, this was the Italian team we we're expecting in week one. Mm-hmm. The one that was meant to um, overrun the Irish, and you know, go a long way towards claiming a berth in the next um, the next phase of the World Cup. Um, I don't know, like this. They they played uh, James Tedesco on the halves, uh, shifted Mason Chiruto to fullback, and they you know Joey Tramontana, who's a ex Parramatta junior at the Bulldogs, scored a couple of tries, including one. The first one he scored, he managed to pluck the ball, a bouncing ball off the air, and do fantastically well to bring into a control before planning it. Um, but uh, that, was, that was good. There was the Brownie Falcon. That was brutal. Oh, that was I that mean, was a ball to the head. <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was an absolute corker of a shot. And, you know, it's sort of the, the type of hit that gets your concussion test, to be honest. It was right on the chin, um, right in that, that great spot, that you know, the, the sweet spot. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite part of this game was in the lead-up where the Batuta advocate actually got a good headline for once, with um, Tedesco apologising for telling Wakeman that his mum's cooking is no good. Um, that, that got a chuckle out of me. Uh, <laughs> I'm just glad that they finally turned up and showed what they could. You know, the podcast, the first podcast, I said they'll be top of their group. And yeah, well, I think, I think we almost all tipped them as top in the group. They had a, a nice mix of, um, you know, solid NRL players with um, a couple of the Paraboys there and Brown and Alvaro. They um, had Paul Vaughan, who's you know a difference maker up front. They got James Tedesco, who's the most, if not the most, one of the most dynamic fullbacks and um, and playmakers in the game. They sort of it, was, it all would lined up for him to you know be a little bit of a dark horse to get for, you know get through, but they just collapsed in week well, one and rebounded this week. Well, them two could play for Australia, actually. You know Tedesco and Paul Vaughan. So like one day they could play for Australia. That's how good they are, and yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think that that that's the real. The truth of it isn't it when you roll your sleeves up and you get back to the basics, play north south, get direct, and it opens up the opportunities to score, especially when you're playing a team, you know, 
like um, America, was it? That's right, USA. Yeah, America. All right, moving on to the next game. PNG 14, Ireland 6. This was a very close match. Um, 37 errors all up, um, but very intense. I I love this game. I I know it had so many errors and mistakes, but the intensity of this game jumped off the screen. Um, That was just two desperate teams slugging it out for 80 minutes, you know, waiting for the other team to blink in a you know a torrid torrid atmosphere playing up in uh, Port Moresby in front of um ne- nearly 20,000 just you know parochial fans um that was not maybe my game of the round I don't know like it's hard to say the, the execution was so bad but the the intensity and the effort was just so good intensity alone that's that's kind of the tournament like that's it was only 14-6 but it's one of those games that you watch it and you enjoy watching it. Just, just, just given, given the ferocity of the two teams, and yeah. they're just going at each other a hundred percent for the full eighty minutes. No, no one is giving in. No one is. That's like know, that's like a Rocky Balboa fight in in NRL format. You know, just the yeah. the guy just taking punch after punch after punch and keep coming at him. Um, exactly. You know, I mean, you, that's that that's like, it I was, mean, it, it's all well and good to see blowouts and that, but that game like that is just literally you know that, yeah. that's rugby league at its finest for, for like me for me it was yeah it was edge of my seat stuff just watching these big like guys racing up from both teams and making big shot after big shot you know despite being it was like 75 percent humidity and 30 degrees or near 30 degrees you know testing conditions they just kept rising up off the canvas you know making these plays in defense and you know yeah there weren't many points scored and yeah there was a lot of drop ball but i, I enjoyed the heck out of his match uh, two things I take out of this match. First off, second successful sellout crowd, and that ninety-meter drop kick or drop out. Yes, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, he did have the breeze at his the, back, but still, yeah, that was the, huge. I mean, a breeze, a breeze is probably a un, unfair way of describing that wind. It was pretty potent. That Queensland Cup won a couple of years back. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, now, okay. Um, that that. Sorry, I was going to say, that win should secure PNG the pool unless it's possible, I think, but it requires results and then for and against um, to come into play for them not to qualify we'll, now. We'll get on to that in, in, in the previews. Now, next yeah. up, we've got feet. So talking about uh, a team that neither team uh, executed very well. In this game, Fiji executed extremely well and ran up 72 yeah. points against a very woeful Welsh team. Um, I mean, for Parramatta fans, obviously the headline here would be the sort of breakthrough game for young Celestia Fainga, but um, that was just a fantastic team effort from Fiji, from the you know one through to what, what they end up playing through. Celestia was in twenty, there might have been a twenty-two in there, one to twenty-two, going for rugby union there, but um, they played just really, really well. Lots of um, lovely ball play at and before the line, great backing up throughout, and they just roll them, rolled them through. The forward pack did a great job, I thought. Um, a lot of sort of fringe NRL guys or, you know, sort of lesser known NRL guys just smash the Welsh. Mm. Um, just looking at the numbers. I mean, most of their the forward pack. You go, Ricky. And I was going to say, the Welsh side are a bit of a, a bit of an oddity. Like, I mean, they've, they've got some, I mean, I, I know people say like championship or league one is a different level or and all that stuff, but they've, the way that they've lost their games has surprised me. I mean, their players are better than that, but it sort of just seems like, I don't know, they, they, they haven't 
adjusted to conditions or they haven't adjusted to the team that they're playing because they've got they do have some good plays in that team like they've got a really good prop Craig Craig Kopsack who's the captain of captain of Salford they've got Matty Fozard who's a good a good utility as well like they've they've got good players there they just they just haven't for whatever reason they just haven't meshed as they should have in this tournament which which you know it's that obviously had two blowouts basically so it, it, it's it's disappointing to see as like a, a rugby league fan sort of knowing that their players are better than that. That that's probably fair. It's also worth mentioning that Fiji are probably a sneaky good team. Like you look through that lineup and we've already mentioned previously that the back line's dynamic, but a lot of those forwards are, you know, pretty solid, you know, NRL or reserve grade guys that are really putting in, in or punch above the weight. Speak to Mary. <laughs> I can't say Willie, uh, uh, what a character. Uh, um, Jared had a great game again. You know, not overplaying his hand. He grabbed the for temporarily at least a slice of history with his with his fourteenth um, World Cup try, I believe it is. So he edges ahead of Billy Slater and Bozo Fulton. Uh, Slater obviously still active in the World Cup, so we have a chance to joust for that crown as the World Cup goes deeper. But um, nice little piece of history for Jared. Um, you know, sort of playing playing nicely in the halves, and you know, World Cups tend to be good for him. Uh, Akili Uate was dynamic again in the centres, just you know, busting tackles, making huge runs. Yeah, and... I was probably a bit harsh on him last week, but yeah, I think I watched him a bit more closely this game and saw exactly what you blokes saw last week. Um, just to re- he just looks like he looks like a bloke enjoying his footy, mm. you know, and and running hard, and that's what made Aquila a great player going back to the start of his career, running hard and fast. Um, yeah, yeah, and and Fiji definitely feel like a, a snowball team in the sense that they get their noses in front, they can really sort of press the advantage, and the balls they throw start sticking, and it sort of makes it worse and worse when you're trying to defend against it. Um, they they played to the edges really well. Their their back rollers ran nice lines throughout the entire night, and um, they also used them as ball playing points as well. We saw our young uh, forward Slesifinger set up a try or two, one try as well as score on himself. On. Yeah, um, so he's um sorry looking at the game. I, I think he's carrying a couple of kilos at the moment, um, but I'm I'm pretty confident he'll shed that as soon as he gets back to training in the preseason because he's a really good trainer. Um, once you put him in that team environment, he'll really knuckle down and get into fantastic shape. So that was a really, really great debut in the World Cup for Fanga. He's in, uh, we'll get to it later, but he's not named in the team for this week. But having said that, he wasn't named for the team in week two, and he played in the 20 coming in outside the 17. So fingers crossed he gets to back up that effort. All right, now let's move on to a preview of this round's upcoming action. Um, now, there won't be any delayed matches this week, um, but unfortunately, Ooh. we'll have a 9 o'clock game on Sunday. So if you're wanting to get an Ooh. early night before the working week, you're out of luck. Um, but first of all, on Friday night, we have... Uh, this time, we don't have Australia playing. We've got Fiji oh. and Italy. This, I mean, you, you look at the, the last two results, this could be a fun game to watch. Um if Italy can maintain the standard they showed against the US and if Fiji can keep their sort of ball rolling. Uh, are there playoff implications here? Uh, I think Italy need a win Italy need and to results. win by about 60 points 
against Fiji because yeah. <laughs> Fiji are top of the group and they're ahead by ninety in the points differential. So, but points differential counts for twice. That's right. So, so they because... have to beat them by forty six points to get yeah, through. There you go. Forty a forty five point I, I win would lead to a, a deadlock. That's right. I wouldn't be surprised. Yes. Yeah. Italy so, might put up a fight, score some tries, but I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up like forty. You know. 40 to 20 or something like that in favour of Fiji. I, I can see I can see Fiji easing away in this game for sure. Um, and I think it'd be nice to see Fiji carry some dominant form into the sudden death component of the World Cup too. Yep. Now, on to a blockbuster matchup. This almost might, might be another game of the tournament. New Zealand take on Tonga at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Well, there's going to be some emotion in this one. Going to be plenty of fire. I'm expecting um, Adam Blair to come out even more fired up and grubby than usual. He um, he took some pretty serious umbrage with the defection of uh, Taumalolo and company to Tonga, so there's going to be plenty of fuel there. Um, I don't know. I'm tempted to back Tonga in this one. I don't know. I mean, they... <laughs> not, not, not... Not so much from the half. I'm liking Tonga yeah, as well. I, they're back. Uh, I'm feeling Tonga. Like, you know, they got they got weapons all over the place. Jenko and got, you know, as much as Eels fans may not like, Will Hopawadi from fullback has been really good. In, you know, the, the, those first two games, like, oh, it was yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, this year for the do- think, this season for the Dogs, the, he was the yeah, really solid, and he's carried that through to Tonga. Everyone is kind of playing to their potential as they should. I mean, obviously, you know. Like Fafita and Tamalolo are doing their job, and Manu Mau and, and, and their back line. Like, I think they're really, you know, they're playing well enough. I, I think they can honestly upset upset the Kiwis. I think. I think would it, would it be an upset at this stage, do you think? I think they're almost like I mean, I think given in Yeah, I, when, just, when you look at it coming into the World Cup, for sure it's an upset, but because given the. Like the league is still so. The view from most fans is kind of like, oh, it's just Australia, England, and New Zealand. I think it probably still would be an upset, but in terms of, yeah, well, I, I agree, and that that's why I think this is this is an important World Cup to establish a fourth pillar in international rugby league. If Tonga can really solidify themselves as a, a true opponent to Australia, New Zealand, and England, that'd be awesome for the game. And you could you could then argue that this game is then. You know, almost that line in the sand moment. You know, can you do it? You know, can you exactly. can you climb up there and and I think, no, I mean, you know, throw punches with the big boys. So hopefully they can. I think they can. Uh, yeah, we've talked about halves play a lot, and I think that's what it might come down to if uh, Hingano and his halves partner can uh, make sure they're kicking long, kicking to the corners, and keeping New Zealand pinned down. I think they can really run away with it and tire out that New Zealand forward pack. Um, but then again, if they're not going to play up to standard, then they'll have a very tough battle. I like. I actually like Ngano. I think he's a nifty little player. Um, I, I know it sounds nasty to the Warriors, but they haven't had the, the greatest luck in developing halves. I'd prefer to see him in another system and on a club basis and give him a chance to really grow. Um, but he's he's, he's done a really nice job for uh, for Tonga. Can play long minutes. Right. They're not like you know sort of just battering rams for for 25, 30 minutes. Like they got you know Takayaho, Tamalolo, Fafida, Manumo. All these guys can play 
60 minutes, 60 minutes, even 18. I mean, you know, 18 minutes is the old, so, so mm, it, it yeah. really bodes well for big, them. Look at two big, big engines, yeah. Say, you know, Simon Mannering is probably the one guy that can do that on a regular basis. Sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. You're looking looking at their pack. There's yeah a lot of rotational props. I mean, Marty Tapau is capable of playing bigger minutes, but it does come at an impact to his um to how vicious he runs the ball, which is really his calling card. You know, he's a dynamic ball runner in the middle. Um, yeah, I, I do agree. That's a fair point, and that's one of the benefits of shifting a guy like Takiyaho into the prop rotation is that you sort of you can cheat on the on the other forward um, substitutions because that guy will put in big minutes. Um, speaking of forwards, I really am looking forward to the clash between the bookends and the locks. Um, you look at Tapao, Wari Hargraves, who hasn't enjoyed um, as dominant a run as he's used to in the past, but those two and Adam Blair, along with Sofa Solomona, you know, locking horns with uh, Taumalolo, Takiyaho, Fafita. You know, it's going to be a classic it's essentially, essentially Tonga's pack up against Kiwi's back line. And if it was an NRL game, the pack usually wins you the game. Yeah, you you, you, you tend to yeah put your money where the, the forwards are in that sense. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot in the line for Tamalola, isn't there, after the, the public defection, the Tonga. And he's um pretty pretty handy player when it comes to big games. So, mm-hmm. and sorry, something I missed here. We're going to have Takarangi up against Michael Jennings. Jennings on the left edge and Takar on the right edge. So it'll be the battle of the eel centers. Ooh, that's um that'll that'll be a fun game within a game. Um, I, I wonder how. I mean, you know, knowing how competitive those two guys are, but also how close the teammates are, you'd almost love to have a little microphone in there to hear all the shit talking. Um. And friendly banter that's going to be going on for that game. I mean, it, it's not going to happen, but you know, in if you've seen dodgeball, the, you know that the kind of the the, the unco guy and the the girl from the Ben Stiller's team, they sort of they got it, they got to hit it, they got to hit it, yeah, yeah, like oh yeah, 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 Svetlana Kuznetsova, and both like a yeah. star I mean, it won't happen, but. Tackle and Jennings just there, and it's sort of like, oh, shit, what do I do? But obviously, it won't. I mean, they're both competitive players. Two different teams, so you know. I think I think Tackle have his work cut out for him because the Tongans have shown plenty of willingness to give Jenko early ball, which is where he really shines, especially from midfield. But uh, it'll be really fun to watch those two go at it. And, um, you know, Taka's physicality and, you know, strong running versus Jenko's quickness and light feet. So, yeah, yeah, sort of free, freeze, freeze him and plant those feet, yeah. All right, now I think we've spent enough time on that match. Now on to um, the next match, which is Samoa and Scotland, which will be played at 5.10 p.m. on Saturday. And Oof. that will the winner of this match will move on oh, to Samoa the in a finals series. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, there's only there's only one way you can you can sort of tip here based on results and form. Um, this this will probably be another forty plus shellacking, I'd say. <laughs> well, I think we're all in agreement that Samoa are just going to uh, run away with it. No, no contest. 
Alright, yeah. well, we'll move straight on to the next match, which is at 8 o'clock on Saturday evening, Australia and Lebanon. Now, this may have implications depending on how England v France plays mm. out. Yeah, if for, for and against could be... Lebanon are going to have to, uh, as I said before, mitigate the damage and make sure their points differential doesn't get touched up too badly. Um, if we think France can knock over England, which I don't think they can, but anything's possible. Um, yeah. Layoon gets his fullback jersey back, I think, this week. Mm. I'm not sure why he sat out game two, but he's been named at fullback. Um, Oh, was that? Is that why? There you go. Yeah. Um, Valentine Holmes gets his maiden fullback jersey for the Kangaroos. Um, Tom Tavoyevic is in the centres. Uh, just trying to look for teams. What else is? What else? Oh, I mean the article is on NRL.com, I think. But um, there should be a bit of banter between Mansoor and the Lebanese after did, Mansoor pulled the plug the on dirty, his Le- I mean, uh, Lebanon selection the, for personal reasons. Oh, the dirty, yeah, he, he, there's there's no other real yeah, way of saying but, he he pulled the plug for the I think he wanted to spend like more his, time with his partner. Because um, yeah, he wanted to go on a honeymoon. Like that. And yeah, and oh, then yeah, exactly. and I then mean, when Australia came that, came that, knocking with the paycheck, exactly he um he pulled on the green and gold. Doesn't need like you know it's it's it should be an honor and a privilege to represent like you know a minnow nation that that you have more affinity with. Well, and and that that's. That that's very much being what this yeah, exactly rugby right. world cup has been celebrating, hasn't it? With the success of some of the other nations, due to due to, to you know in inverted commas de- defections of NRL talent that have um you know enjoyed much better rugby league world cup campaigns because of it. There could have been a, that would have been a huge get for Lebanon, you know, if they had a, a real blockbuster back to, to play off the likes of Moses and Farrell. Miskin Mansell. Yeah, <laughs> Miss Miss Mansour, Eminem, baby. Okay, we're gonna to have to move right along to PNG versus USA, which is four o'clock oh, on be, Sunday. I can only a, see one outcome in this match. Yeah, once again. Oh, so, <laughs> cricket score. It'll depend on how one? well PNG can hold the ball in this match, and they'll want to get themselves up to scratch because they're about to get into the final series for the first time in their nation's history, and mm. they'll want to give a good account of themselves. So I think this is a match where they, they have to put everything together just to make sure they're ready to go on to that next stage. I think I asked this last week, but did they get a home final um, as no, coming out of top of the pool, or did they go they to, to Australia. Australia for their final? Oh, just one sec. I'll just have a look. Yeah, it's all. It's oh, either man. Australia or New Zealand, depending on where they're Jeez. coming out of the pool. Jeez, that's such a shame. If they could have held at least, you know, the first week of finals um, at Oil, it's a great name, Oil Search National Football Stadium. Um, that 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 place would have been rocking. I mean, they've sold out twice now, and this should be another sellout. I'd say, even with the the relatively lowly opposition in that sense. Um, no, but it, it is kind of refreshing seeing guys just play with just pure passion and and heart, you know. And that's really what they did during their um their premiership winning ISC campaign. Um, they they haven't quite got the finesse, um, the professionalism there, but they play with so much effort and so much ticker, and it's you know carried them All thus right, far in the right World Cup. We have and um, hopefully they can make it, you know, make an account of themselves and get for the knockout stage. I'm expecting some trick plays. Pro- 
Well, Sorry, I think I cut out there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, did anybody else have anything else to say about the, the PNG Oz uh, uh, USA game? Just I'm expecting some trick plays from the Yanks. They haven't had much highlights, and they want to have a team in the English Super League, so maybe some... some just give, bring a highlight reel back home, you know, showing off their Statue talent. Liberty. Yeah. Well, good luck against the Kummels. Um And I think... Yeah. Um, yeah, if anybody's going to be running a trick play, it'll be Gary Lowe for the PNG. <laughs> um, now, straight on to the next game, Ireland and Wales. Now, if Ireland want... Well, if PG are going to win this game like we think they should, um, Ireland will, they, know, their, will, will yeah. know their fate before they kick off yeah. at 6.30, which we're going to assume they're going to be out. Yes, I, I think that is the, the safe default assumption. Um, beyond that, they should still post a win, you'd think. I don't know. Against this is Wales. one of those games where, yeah, there, there is a bit of background, Ireland and Wales. You know, they they near nearby each other in the shadow of England. There's plenty of history. Um, it gets pretty um, heated when it comes to sports. So maybe the Welsh can find another gear. I don't know. Um, I, I'm tipping the Irish. Um, but, yeah, it feels like a game that's probably just going to be uh, have no impact on the World Cup if... PNG secure the win like we think, which I'm is tipping, unfortunate. I'm tipping two sin bins, and it's going to be a massive <laughs> all-in brawl. And and then we'll have a stupid, we'll have a stupid argument saying, "Why can't we bring back the Biff?" And they'll be, you know, like, <laughs> been doing it all day. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> all right now wrapping up the pool stages we have at nine o'clock on sunday evening france against england played at perth so this is going to be a double header to, on the back of the welsh irish game mm-hmm. um i'm liking um, england yeah in- england the safe bit safe pick and you know being the underdog backer that i am I want the the Lebanon team to get through, so I'm hoping the English can knock them over. Uh, yeah, I, I think England should win here. They they had some struggles against Lebanon though, and there's no there's no reason why France couldn't mount a challenge given unbiased refereeing. But uh, I think they should come home with the bickies. Yeah. No, that's right. All right, well, let's wrap it up with the standings as they are. Group A has Oz up the top with two wins, a positive 60 differential. We expect them to get another win against Lebanon this week and uh, win the pool. Uh, England, we think, will come second, and Lebanese hold on for that third spot. In Group B, you've got New Zealand with the two wins, Tonga with the two wins. So whoever's going to win out of that match will come to the top of Group B and stay on their side of the draw. So they won't have to play Australia in the um, knockout games. 
And we think Samoa's probably going to win their game and come in third in that group. And then in Group C, we've got PNG, Island, Wales. Barring a miracle, PNG look likely to go through. And then in Group D, we've got Fiji, Italy, USA. Fiji with the two wins. They've got to play uh, Italy to secure their spot. Who Italy need, who need a huge, huge spike in form against the Italy end. will need to win by 46 points to get themselves through. Hmm. If it stays like this, um, it looks like Fiji will play... I'm tipping Tonga to win, so Fiji will play Tonga, and Papua New Guinea will play England. Now, that Fiji, uh, say, New Zealand match is going to be pretty pretty uh, hectic, pretty much, you know? Yeah, I think I think the um, the standings are relatively straightforward at this stage. I mean, the, I think the biggest uh, potential kink would be the French upset of England, if that were to play out that way. Um, just trying to think. And just where Tonga the, the, and New Zealand are going to end up. That that's right. The seeding between those two teams is the real important thing because that play that will affect uh, two games. Like you know, the two games that fall after been that. Good so far, so but it doesn't look like they're going to make it to the next stage. Like it, it, it's, you know, I just really kind of, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, well, if it, it, I suppose it, it's a part of the flawed format of yeah, the Rugby exactly. World Cup because true. of the limited teams they can invite at this stage. You've only got the, the two the two full groups. If you had a proper sixteen team tournament, they might have had a better chance to, you know, claw their way out of the group stage, which is hopefully what the you know the plan is for the next World Cup is that the game's grown enough by that point that you can have a, a proper sixteen yeah, I mean, team look, four by four ball uh, tournament. I mean, feasibly, the next two nations off the rank that you off the top is probably off the top of my head is probably Cook Islands and Malta. But of course, it just but just depends if you qualify or not because both sides both sides would have. You know, a decent amount of yeah. NRL and Super League talent, so or championship talent at least. So, but you never know. Like for all we know, Russia could qualify again, and they'll get flogged like 112 to four, like they did in in 28 or something. So, good old Ruskies. <laughs> well, I suppose the the hope here might be that Canada can emerge as a, a rugby yeah, league country, well, that, that, given true. the success that's of the true. Toronto Wolfpack. Yeah. And obviously that they're, they're leveraging international talent to quite an extent there, but if they can grow the game within a couple of cities and you know yeah, get I some decent domestic stuff there, that might be um kind of, you know something. I would say, oh, I mean it's hard to know, isn't it? But probably not the next World Cup, but the one after is probably when they could really make their presence felt. That you know their players will have they'll have time to develop proper systems, and they you know they they might be able to to snag a few players through citizenship and whatnot and things like that. So, but it's, rugby league is a strange game team. Never know what's going to happen. All right. Well, let's wrap that all up. Um, we'll look forward to the footy this weekend. So I hope everybody gets in and enjoys this last group stage of the World Cup before we get into the nitty gritty and uh, the finals. Um, now, boys, anything to plug? I'll start with you, 4020. Yeah, as always, um, thecumberlandfro.com, uh, at Eels TCT on Twitter if you want to catch all our um, you know, commentary and um, updates. 60 still hasn't managed to get together a training blog, but that's because of the um, limited sort of start to the preseason training for the Eels. I think we only had 12 players turn up during week one due to Rugby League World Cup participation along with sort of veteran allowances that have been given this year due to us going into week two of the finals. 
So um, he's tweeted a few things. I think so far, uh, Reed Marnie, um, Ryder Niakore and Bevan French have um, stood out in the um, fitness and ball skills that they've done. Um, but as always, uh, you got any, any stuff that you want to share with us on Twitter, you can hit up Mitch and Chris will probably catch you there. And um, we'll start getting the blogs pumping in the, the preseason. NRONews.com is the Ricky. website. NRONews Twitter. If you if you love your Facebook, NRONews site. But outside of that, you know, all the news will be there. So just read it, enjoy it, and just suck it all in. And PM, do you want to give a plug to your sports store where you can get all your NRL gear? And more. And, if you... and I can uh, personally vouch for PM, having um, bought a few things off his um, online store. And same here, he hit me up with uh, the size 14 shoes. Not too many people stock them. <laughs> 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 and Birdie, did you want to plug something? Oh yeah, just my Twitter, BevanHeaven1. Right now it's just all about NFL and NBA, but come league season... I'll boo, be going... <laughs> Cowboys, boo. Uh, how about them Cowboys, eh? <laughs> How about them Cowboys? Yeah, free Zeke. <laughs> well, that's that's the sort of melodrama you don't get to see in the NRL is the um, yeah. the whole Ezekiel the owners, NFL. Well, yeah. the owners the owners fascinate me pretty much, you know, of each club. Okay, boys, yeah, we'll, well, we'll, we'll hit you yeah. up with the NFL podcast. That'll come next week. <laughs> uh, now, if you want to catch us, you can catch us at at State OT League. And we'll get this podcast out to you as quick as we can. Again, we'll be recording each week through to the end of the World Cup. And then we'll start off sometime again next year when we're we're starting to heat up with a pre-season. Um, so thanks again, boys, for joining tonight. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We've got a couple of hundred view, uh, listeners already, so that's fantastic. Um, Those poor souls. Yeah, so thanks for joining us to have another look into the state of the league. Enjoy your footy. Cheers, guys. Catch you next week.